You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. What? Over? Did you say over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Germans? Forget it, he's rolling. And it ain't over now. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Who's with me? Let's go! Come on! Fan Junkies Radio invites you to sit back, relax, turn the TV volume down, and turn your computer volume up for another edition of Frat House Saturday. Now, here's Frat House Mike himself, Mike McShane. Good Saturday afternoon to you all, and thank you, yes, again, for joining me here on another Frat House Saturday right here on Fan Junkies Radio Network. And, uh... Kind of a big day it is for us here at the Frat House as we're getting ready for our big summer kickoff barbecue. Going to have uh, quite a few people here sitting back enjoying uh, the outdoors. Nice day today, thank goodness. It poured rain all day yesterday. I mean, all, get the we all felt like we were going to have to get the ark built, you know. That's the way kind of day it was yesterday. But today looks like it's going to be a lot, lot nicer and a uh, good thing for us, too. We're, we're looking forward to seeing a bunch of old friends right here at the Frat House very shortly, and lots of good food and what have you. So, hope uh, all of you are planning a similar type of day, and uh, if you are, well, nonetheless, I appreciate the fact you're giving me just a few minutes of your time here on a summertime Saturday afternoon to uh, chat up a little bit of sports or whatever's on your mind. 347-237-5373 is how you get over to me, and uh, if you have anything on your mind at all uh, with regard to the world sports, please do not hesitate to give me a holler. Let's start it out by taking a look at uh, a little bit of sports history, and I'm not going to go fa- back too, too far. I'm only going to go to the, the year 2000. Uh, and on this day in 2000, the Dallas Stars and the New Jersey Devils played the NHL's longest scoreless game in Stanley Cup history. Finals history, no less. Uh, the fifth game of the series uh, lasted uh, 106 minutes and 21 seconds, so that was equivalent to about uh, five and one-third periods, and the game ended with a goal by Mike Madonna uh, that allowed the Stars to play a game six back in Dallas. I remember that game very, very well. Madonna, I'll tell you, it, it, for being a guy on another team, I, I really, really enjoyed Mike Madonna's play. Uh, I'd have to probably refer to him as one of my, well, I guess a little more current uh, modern NHL uh, favorites Mike Madonna was. Terrific, terrific uh player he was and while we're talking hockey hey how about those boston bruins last night cheers to them for uh sweeping yeah absolutely they swept the pittsburgh penguins incredible who'd have thunk it who'd have thunk it okay guys thank you very much yes there you go um they were happy uh swept the uh pittsburgh penguins uh just incredible incredible 
situation uh, I never, ever would have imagined. Uh, frankly, I had Pittsburgh uh, winning the series. I knew it was – I had a feeling it was going to be a tough, long series. I never expected Boston to win it, and I never expected them to sweep and win in four games. You know, on the uh, In the other series that's going on, Chicago – uh, now has uh, – well, they did exactly what they needed to the other evening. They beat the L.A. Kings in Los Angeles and now lead that series three games to one. And Chicago could actually clean that series up and finish it up uh, this evening at 8 o'clock uh, as they'll be playing back in Chicago. And I'm sure that's exactly what the Blackhawks want to do. Uh, I really wanted Chicago to come out on this side of the series anyhow. Uh, it didn't matter to me whether Chicago was going to play uh, Pittsburgh or Boston. It made no difference to me which way, uh, which team they were going to play. Uh, I just wanted Chicago to win this one. Uh, I think Chicago will prevail in this particular series. I just kind of—I'm actually kind of hoping it's going to be this evening, um, and then that potentially could set it up for what I think would be a really terrific series between Chicago and Boston. I think two teams that play rather similar types of styles. Um, I think, in my opinion, I I feel that Chicago is actually a little bit better goal-scoring team. I think they have a little bit more youth. Um, but uh, I think it will be a terrific, terrific series. Uh, and, uh, well, uh, a finals with those two? Hey, you're looking at uh, two of the original six uh, would be in that particular final series. So I, I, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that, that uh, Chicago takes care of that one this evening. You can catch that game 8 o'clock again, as I said, Eastern time. Um, and I'm I'm almost positive that will be uh, airing over on uh, NBC Sportsnet. Uh, we've got game two of the San Antonio Spurs and the Miami Heat going tomorrow night, Sunday at 8 uh, p.m. I believe that game will be on – I believe it's on ABC. I think that's where um, – if it's not on ABC, it will be on an ABC affiliate, which would be ESPN, I would imagine. But – I'm almost positive that game will be aired on ABC as the game one was. And, well, there's another surprising series. Says, who who expected San Antonio to beat Miami in Miami? And here's the interesting thing, folks, about the NBA Finals. The format for that is 2-3-2. Two, two. So it's, it's two games in Miami. Three then would essentially go to San Antonio. And then if needed be, of course, the final two would come back to Miami. Well, with consider for a moment with San Antonio taking that first game. Well, they can afford to lose game two without any difficulty, and all that. And, and at that point, they're still going to get the three games right in a row at home. So, interesting, interesting series there. I did not expect San Antonio uh, to to beat Miami in game one, uh, particularly when Miami, I believe, was a five point, maybe five and a half point favorite in game one. So. Uh, that series picks up again tomorrow evening, Sunday, uh, at, I believe it's 8 o'clock, 8 p.m. Correct, 8 p.m. All right. Major League Baseball, we've got a couple of 1 o'clock games that are probably getting off right about now. Uh, the Los Angeles Angels are taking on, or actually they are at, uh, the Boston Red Sox. Uh, and that's a 105 uh, game. 107, the Texas Rangers are up in... Uh, Toronto taking on the Blue Jays, and at 110, the Miami Marlins are in New York at City Field to uh, meet the New York Mets. And so I will be bringing to you um, some of those scores uh, when we come back 
on the other side of our rebroadcast of Five Minutes at the Pratt House. Interesting situation that occurred here on the radio waves uh, right here in the Philadelphia region yesterday. Uh, and that involved uh, one Kerry Williams. Kerry Williams uh, was a, uh, a free agent cornerback from the Baltimore Ravens that the Philadelphia Eagles acquired in the offseason. Kerry Williams uh, <laughs> missed quite a few OTAs. Now, OTAs, as we know, are, or as perhaps you don't know, but OTAs are not mandatory according to the uh, collective bargaining agreement. Uh, and he missed a, a number of OTAs that the Philadelphia Eagles have held. Remember, this is a Philadelphia Eagles team that is in a rebuilding situation, brand new head coach, a lot of innovative things coming in, uh, new new defense coming in, uh, just a team that's completely kind of, you can't even say it's it's in a state of flux. It's in complete transition at this point. And nobody's really quite sure what to expect of what we're going to see as a Philadelphia Eagles product uh, when the season actually starts off. But here's Kerry Williams, a four-year veteran, uh, played the last three years with Baltimore, uh, missing uh, no less than about four OTAs. Uh, reasons given for missing the uh, non-mandatory <laughs> Voluntary, I suppose, if you want to call it that, right? Voluntary uh, activities, reasons that were given. Uh, well, he had some dental work. That was one time. He uh, did not want to miss his uh, three-year-old daughter's dance recital. That was another reason that was given. Well, he had to get married. That was another reason that was given. And then, uh, well, he's building a house. And apparently uh, actually indicated to reporters that he needed to get with the contractor to pick out sconces. Yeah, these were the reasons that were given. Well, he got confronted. He got confronted yesterday afternoon on one of the local uh, radio stations here in the Philadelphia region, 97.5 The Fanatic, uh, and what was referred to as a tense, contentious, and at times uncomfortable interview. Oh, I would say that it was. Kerry Williams kind of got his back up quite a bit, indicating that, well, hey, these things aren't mandatory, and if they're not mandatory, well, then darn it all, I'm not going to be there. And if they're supposed to be mandatory, then just say that they are mandatory. Went on to say that uh, he plans on spending as much time with his daughter as he possibly can. That football is not his life. His life is uh, is that of being a good father. Football is only a portion of his life. Also went on to indicate that uh, they don't get any days off during the season and that if uh, the NFL and the Philadelphia Eagles uh, want him to play football full-time year-round, if you want me to be there, if you want me to play football year-round, you don't want me to have an off-season and you you don't want me to have a personal life, let me know, he said. That's my take on it. When asked whether he uh, was felt that he was potentially disenfranchising the fan base, whether he wanted the fans to actually like him or root for him, his response was, "To be honest with you, no, I don't. It doesn't matter at all. You're always going to have people that are going to say negative things about you and feel negative about you, whether you do things the right way or the wrong way. It doesn't matter. You're always going to have critics." I don't have any news for you all to get. It turns into something like, oh, he's picking out sconces. No, I was just picking some things uh, that I was doing in my house. 
Those are some of the first things that came into my head at the time. Then I'm supposed to respect the media? But then they come at me like I'm some kind of idiot or say, he's looking up sconces or he's doing this. Like it was something that was so frivolous or something that wasn't even important. But if you've ever had a house, uh, had a house, you would understand how important it is. This went on for about 10 minutes. And i got to tell you, in a city like Philadelphia, I don't know if these are really the kinds of things that you want to be saying out loud. And I guess perhaps as vehemently as Carrie Williams was saying them uh, to a fan base that, uh, well, I think blue collar is an appropriate, albeit somewhat hackneyed term for the Philadelphia fan base. But I think it's somewhat uh, an appropriate uh, descriptor. I don't know if these are all actually the, the the right ways to go about phrasing things, Mr. Williams. At the same time, after I had some time to digest it, and I look back on some of his comments, I think to myself, you know, in some respects, he might be right. If, in fact, these uh, organized team activities, OTAs, if, in fact, coaches are going to hold players accountable, well, then stop calling them voluntary. Now, I understand that this was all just a lot of political posturing when the collective bargaining agreement was put together, that this was the owner's way of negotiating one more thing for the players and say, see, we threw you a bone. It was a way for them to, uh, you know, Come to, come to a middle ground on numerous, numerous issues, and this was just one of them. And I understand all of that. But the fact of the matter is, the CBA does say that they're voluntary. The other issue that comes into play on this, in my opinion, is as fans, do we really have a right to demand that our players on our teams be so public? Do we really have to demand accountability from them in all times, even when they're not on the clock? It's an interesting, interesting kind of conundrum in some respects. Carrie Williams has a point. I don't think that he phrased it well, and I think the fact that he was so vehement, almost militant, in many of his comments that, as I said, went on for about 10 minutes, I don't think he did himself, obviously, any favors with this fan base. But he might have a point. And I'm just wondering whether our fandom sometimes just gets way, way overblown. And when I say our, I'm not just talking about Philadelphia. Because make no mistake, if Kerry Williams said these things or did these things in a New York market, a New Jersey market, uh, an L.A. market, uh, down in Dallas, I think the reaction would be exactly the same from the fans. So I'm not saying this is strictly a unique Philadelphia situation. I think the response would be the same. And so I question us as fans, do we not have our priorities straight? Now, you know, we can also say, well, Kerry Williams doesn't necessarily have his priority straight either, because, look, we're all asked to do things in our jobs that sometimes we don't want to do. There were times in my previous job where I had to attend events, what have you, simply for the purpose of 
making a show for the institution that I was working for, just to kind of be a representative, if you understand what I'm saying. And, you know, there were times that I had to show up uh, at my place of work on, say, a Saturday or a Sunday, and I'd be saying to myself, boy, you know, this is just not the place I really want to be today. I'd rather be at home watching a, a baseball game or a football game or an auto race or whatever. I don't want to really be here. But nonetheless, we feel we have a responsibility to the institutions or businesses that we work for to make sure that we are there to be an appropriate representative. Terry Williams, I think, probably had his priorities misdirected somewhat when he probably should have attended some of these. All of the excuses that were given, in my opinion, perhaps maybe with the dance recital one, I think could have been avoided and had been done on his own personal time. Um, had he missed just one OTA and it was the one for his daughter's dance recital, I'm going to tell you right now, there wouldn't be a fan in the world that would be screaming at him. But when we miss four, and one of the excuses is that we're picking out sconces, that one's going to be a lightning rod. No doubt about it. I throw it open to all of you. 347-237-5373. What is your opinion on that? Do we, uh, do we ask too, too much from our athletes? From our from our players on our teams, are we expecting too too much from them, or uh, or not? Is Kerry Williams completely out of uh, out of out of touch here? Three four seven two three seven five three seven three. Alrighty, um, as we've been doing for many many weeks now, I'm going to be bringing to you the audio rebroadcast of this week's five minutes at the Proud House number ninety two. Um, you're going to want to take a look at this one. I say that every week. But you do. You really do want to take a look at this one. I was making the comment last evening that I really believe that this one might just be one of the best produced programs we've put together in our 92 weeks of, uh, of history here. Um, and when I say produced, I'm talking about everything coming together, the, the, the camera, the, the lighting, the, the sound, the editing, the post-production work. It just wonderfully put together, uh, and you're really going to want to take a look at this one. Uh, and so how can you do that? Well, the easiest thing to go over to YouTube. Uh, our YouTube channel is simply Frat House Sports. That's our channel. Go in on the channel and subscribe to it. Once you subscribe to it, you'll get all of the – you'll get notified whenever there's a new video put up because we have about 125 videos now up on our channel. Uh, 92 of them, of course, are five minutes at the Frat House. But then we have other shorts. So uh, get over there or go over to YouTube, type in five minutes at the Frat House, and you'll find all of our productions there. Um, this is a particularly, my, like I said, a particularly good one. We cover a lot of topics in it, uh, and I'm going to be playing this for you just here in, in just a couple of seconds. Uh, during the time of this playing, I'll not be taking any phone calls, but uh, I'll jump back in with you for a couple of moments on the backside. And if you have any comments or um, want to call in about anything on your mind or anything that you heard in this particular week's edition of Five Minutes of Sprout House, please don't hesitate to give me a call. Alrighty, and so here is this week's Five Minutes of Sprout House, number 92. Oh, yeah, 
yeah, yes, yes, yes. We enjoyed doing it so much this way last week. Well, what the heck? We thought we would just do it again this way on this week's Five Minutes at the Pratt House with Pratt House Mike and Sidekick. Uh, and the early returns, uh, Sidekick, were that people kind of thought that we got along better when we just left you out there in, in St. Louis. So, no, no, I'm joking. How are things out in Cardinal Land? <laughs> How are we doing after that? Uh, well, they're not doing too well out in Cardinal Land. Uh, this oh, no, no, I forget Cardinal Land. How are you doing in St. Louis? <laughs> no, things are going good. Um, uh, we uh, had a follow-up appointment uh, this morning. Uh, yeah, I guess this morning with uh, Mom's doctor. said everything's going great. Um, she's allowed to drive again. I sure. will be on the first plane out of here in the morning Okay. because, you know, you can only spend so much time with your mom. <laughs> is she an earshot? No. Is she an earshot of you? <laughs> no, I'm always. She's kidding. probably sneaking right around the corner. I would bet. Uh, you no, got. I got to get. I got to get back for a barbecue on Saturday. Yeah, that's right. We do have you penciled in. Well, well, penned in for a barbecue right here at the Fred House. But uh, you did get out to uh, Bush Stadium. We saw that, which was great. Yes, I did. And in fact, I got a couple of pictures coming up on that later on in the show. Um, but uh, you were there for that 14-inning game the other night. Yes. Five rows from the field. How late yep. did that? How late did that one go? Uh, about uh, twelve. About twelve thirty. Okay, not too too bad. Not Central too time, bad. so I guess one thirty your time. In a uh, in a loss, unfortunately, was that to the uh, Diamondbacks? Yes. Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks. Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah, we've All lost right. two in a row now to the Diamondbacks. Um. The fourth game is tonight. Hopefully, we can uh, get this one back so yeah. uh, so like, we can split the series. Seems like they've been playing the deep backs for a little while now, honestly. Yeah, it was a they had a four game stand against yeah. the Diamondbacks. So right, and then uh, last night they got blown out ten three. Uh, Yad, Yadier decided to take his suspension yep. yesterday right. only because um, uh, with the fourteen inning game the night before, Matheny was not going to have. Uh, Yadier behind them, you know, behind home plate anyway. Right. Right. So he decided to cancel his appeal and take the suspension for the one game. Yeah, so. and that, he he made that decision kind of late actually, and that kind of hurt my my fantasy team because Yadier's my my starting catcher, and I didn't realize it, so he ended up staying on my fantasy team. But uh, but that's I, all right. I, I still won. I still I was going to text you about that and say, no, hey, Yadier's not playing. I know. I I almost wish I had, but that, that's okay. It didn't hurt me. I still won by three points. So. There you go. All right. So there you have it. Uh, we should all be back to normal right here at uh, the Pratt House next week at this time. Uh, yep. But we did uh, do a little discussion over the course of the week, and we did decide to kind of change things up just a little bit this evening, and you'll see what I'm talking about in the second half of the show. Uh, change things up just a little bit this week, Sidekick, uh, but not with our NASCAR coverage, and that's where we're starting. Uh, and as we take a look at what happened uh, this past weekend, in the Autism Speaks 400 down at the Monster Mile uh, at Dover International Speedway. Uh, And with this, it is now the 13th race, Dover was, uh, of the season. That marked the exact midpoint of uh, the season prior to the 10-race chase. So who positioned them well as we begin to look towards the chase? Well, (laughs) Dover winner Tony Stewart certainly did himself a favor winning his first of the season. Others who came in the top five included, uh, I'm looking down the list, I'm going, what? Yeah, Juan Pablo Montoya came in second. Jeff Gordon in third. 
150-lap leader Kyle Busch came in uh, fourth, and Brad Keselowski came in fifth. Uh, but we'll be talking about Keselowski again in just a few moments. Uh, well, and and the reason we got that switch up is kind of controversial because if you remember on that final restart, Jimmy Johnson got got penalized yes. for jumping the restart. Right. So. Right. And he had a few comments to make about that one after the fact, but uh, but it did appear that he, he did severely jump that. Interesting stat, though, uh, sidekick, I wanted to bring up that was brought up during the course of the race the other day. Um, and as we look at yet another race, as I just pointed out, where Kyle Busch was the lap leader, but again, didn't win. But it was noted, and I think it's well worth noting, that JGR team drivers uh, have led more laps than any other team by nearly two to one so far throughout the entire season. Uh, they certainly have been dominant, uh, but, you know, albeit I don't know how much it's actually translated on the wins board. Well, unfortunately, here, you know, uh, some of the chatter about that is, and I actually just saw an article today uh, about Toyota and the motors. They've been right. kicking out a lot of power, qualifying well, leading laps. Right. But they've had a significant amount, or what I, you know, not, you know, in my professional opinion, <laughs> uh, they've been had, they've had a significant amount of engine failures this year. But this is and, the same as last year, isn't it? And what they, what I read today is that Toyota is going to dial back on the horsepower of the motors to try and help with the longevity of the engines. So um, that may bring them down to earth a little bit more. Right. But maybe we'll see them start winning some races. Maybe we won't see so many uh, engine failures. Right. I mean, that, you would have thought that after all the issues that Toyota had, and particularly the JGR uh, drivers had last season, that some of this would have already been addressed because we're running into the same sorts of things again. And as we heard earlier on in the season, the Gen 6 model really did not change what's underneath the hood. So I don't, right. know, I don't know where to, you know, you know may, finally, I guess, maybe what you're telling us is Toyota is going to address the issue. Yeah, well, they, you know, they, they keep saying that. So, but, you know, Toy, Toyota is uber con, uh, competitive as at ev- evidenced by the fact that they do all the racing development for those engines. Right. The the teams don't do that. The teams work on the cars. Toyota provides the engines. Right. Well, um, we, we know that know, from it's basically some of the, a turnkey. We know we know that from some of the penalties that we've seen earlier. Right. So, um, you know, they're trying to put as much power as they can out of the motors, and unfortunately, you start trying to do that, it it hurts you in the long run. So, you know, we saw that. It, we just talked a couple of weeks ago about the 600 right. and how, you know, it's a, you know, that race is a race of attrition. Right. And we had Toyota Motors going. Right. You know, Kyle Busch went. Uh, I think Kansas blew up. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we'll have to see if, you know, see how this impacts them with less power. Okay. All right. Now, having mentioned uh, the Sprint Cup uh, standings leaderboard, uh, what's it looking like at this point right now, midpoint uh, of the season? Well, after last week's race at Dover, it's still Jimmy Johnson at number one. Carl Edwards is 30 points behind, uh, but still in the number two spot. Clint Boyer moved up to number three, 50 points behind the leader. Matt Kenseth moved down to number four. And Kevin Harvick cracked uh, the top five list following Dover. 
uh, Psychic, movers, losers, and, uh, well, Danica update. What's happening there? <laughs> well, uh, the uh, the best finish by a female at Dover was uh, 24th. Um, the biggest losers for the week were Martin Truex Jr., who fell five spots, as well as Jamie McMurray, who also fell uh, five spots. Uh, the big movers of the week were, uh, of course, uh Tony Stewart, yep. uh, race winner. We're going to talk uh, about that. Four spots. Yep. Uh, and then uh, also Jeff Gordon moved up four spots. Yep. All right. Now, you mentioned Stewart, and I mentioned Stewart, and we talked about the fact he won his first race of the season. Um, and it's it's well documented. He has not had a very good season so far. Uh, with this move, with this win, actually, you just pointed out, he moved up four spots. He moved from 20th on the leaderboard to 16th. Uh, but we still haven't made the, the cut line for the chase. Now, obviously, there's still plenty of racing yet to come. Still have 13 races left. Right. But, sidekick, going to that professional opinion of yours, what's your thinking here? Uh, you know, has Stewart perhaps maybe turned the corner, pardon the pun? Um, and what's it going to take for somebody like Tony Stewart to make the chase? He certainly hasn't looked very well this year. And, in fact, in my opinion, he got a little bit lucky this week. Yes, he did get a little lucky because this is admittedly his worst track. Correct. So the fact that he got a win this week is uh, pretty, you know, nothing short of phenomenal. Um, you know, with with regards to Tony turning the season around, you know, I'm from Missouri, obviously. You know, I'm back home. Uh, we're the show me state. I'm a, I'm also a realist sometimes when it comes to sports, and I don't think I'm ready to say he's turned a corner yet. Hmm. Um as as the season and the temperatures heat up and we get closer to the chase uh with the hot weather it becomes better uh better conditions for him to race uh, mm-hmm. the tracks get a little slicker you know he he's got a dirt background um and i that then i will i think you'll start seeing tony stewart um turn around um but you know so far you know going back over the past couple of races he finished sixth in the Coca-Cola 600. Right. Uh, he, he won last week in Dover. Um, he's qualified outside the top 20 in five of the last seven races. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, also he, you know, here's a quote straight from Tony. I don't know that just that one weekend automatically will turn the rest of the season around. So I, mm-hmm. I, I think he's moving in a positive direction. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think it's we can say that he's you know he's turned that corner yet. But as you point so. out, as you point out, Stewart is notoriously known as a warm weather driver, correct? Yes. All right. Yep, so, he liked he likes the hot. Right. So the warmer weather is coming. We could see a couple more. And what do you think? It probably based on the standings as they are right now. I mean, if he nails himself probably three wins, he's he's going to be in pretty good shape. Oh, if he gets yeah, oh, yeah, if he gets three wins, I I I think he's definitely going to be yeah. uh be up there. So Right. Of course, it it also depends on what everybody else does. Oh, obviously. Obviously. You know, if you have the same guys winning every week, um, you know, uh you may see a move up farther cuz some of the other top 12 racers, you know, um may not be getting those wins then. Right. If you start seeing the wins start getting spread out, it may be tougher for him. Right, right. So we'll have to, you know, we'll have to see. I'm not ready to rule it out yet, um, at least for a wild card spot. Um, but he's 
got, you know, like Danny Hamlin, he's got an uphill fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, well, yeah, I would agree with you, although he's actually done pretty well since his comeback. The other story, though, that affects, uh, that affected uh, a Penske race team again, um, again yes. uh, Brad Keselowski's number two failed post-race inspections uh, this past weekend at Dover, with inspectors citing that the car's front was too low. Uh, now, obviously, this was not the first time this very team has been involved uh, in NASCAR penalties uh, this season. So, uh, as you stated the other day, Sidekick, on right on our Frat House Sports Facebook page, uh, you would have expected that NASCAR would have thrown the book at them. But it really didn't appear that way. Not exactly to me, anyhow. Not in my opinion. Run it down for a Sidekick. What were the ultimate penalties and uh, you know, do you feel that they, that they went a bit light this time around? Uh, he was docked six driver's points. His crew chief was fined 25000 Um Now, uh, after looking into this a little bit more, this is really a secondary infraction. Okay. Uh, basically what happened was there was a part failure on the car so that when it went through the post-race inspection, it was the front end was deemed lower than... Uh, the guideline. Right. All right. This happened to Martin Truex earlier. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. earlier in the season. He received the standard. What I've come to find out is the the standard for this type of infraction, which is the six driver points, twenty five thousand, and typically the crew chief is put on six weeks probation. Mm-hmm. Now, since the since the crew chief, the car engineer, are all on probation till the end of the season, Anyhow. they didn't add anything. To it. Right. Um, also, the fact that it passed the pre-race inspection and failed on the pat on the on the post-race inspection—that's why you didn't. You, they didn't. NASCAR didn't really pounce on them. Gotcha. For you know, for the second infraction of the season. We kind this, of thought you know, the same thing here. That per, if it had been a if it had been a pre-race issue, it would have been a lot more severe. Oh sure, right. Yeah, if they if they deemed you know it was like another rear rear end type deal Correct. or something like that where they were trying to get you know in the gray area trying to get tricky, I think NASCAR would have come down a lot harder on them. Right. But the fact that it passed the pre race inspection, and you know they could tell that it was a part failure that caused it to be lower, they received a minimal uh, you know uh, minimal penalty here. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, all right. Well, there you have it. Those are our two big uh, side uh, stories uh, for this week's uh, NASCAR race. Uh, now, we're going from the Monster Mile in Delaware, uh, and we're heading to a two-and-a-half mile uh, tricky triangle at Pocono Raceway. Yep, the uh, party in the Poconos 400. Correct. And listen, folks, don't forget that uh, we switched networks uh, this week. Uh, coverage will yep. begin at 1 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday over on TNT. Now, as so I pointed be prepared, out, whoops, be prepared to get flooded with KFC commercials. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, here we go again. Uh, the coverage on TNT, not near as good as Fox. But listen, as I pointed out, uh, we're at the midpoint. So many of us right now are fighting to make the chase ourselves in our fantasy league. Uh, help us out here. Is the triangle as tricky uh, for us on a setup uh, standpoint from our from our teams? Uh, you know. What do you got for us this week? And uh, let me just warn everybody, I will be showing, uh, as Sidekick goes through these, I'll be showing the uh, the Frat House Fantasy uh, leaderboard. 
And so we'll what talk do you got? about the fantasy uh, leaderboard there, Mike. You're moving I up the to... fourth. You're up the fourth. What's that? You're up the fourth. Yes, I am. Yeah. And uh, my my other team sidekick has taken back over the first spot. Right. So we're we're you know running one and four. Right. Um, but I just wanted to say kudos to you uh, for uh, you know the way that you've raised your daughters because both of them are <laughs> dominating NASCAR this year. Uh, you know, there you go. With both Jen and Steph uh, piling up, I think a total of five wins so far this season. So the apple uh, doesn't fall far from there. the tree. Yeah, that's right. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Yeah, well, apparently they got the better luck because you're not, you're not doing too well there. Buddy. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. I got you. <laughs> okay, so the picks. Now on to the picks. Uh, we're going to the Tricky Triangle, as Mike has said, in the Poconos this weekend. A uh, little bit of a long, longer track than uh, uh, Dover. Uh, as you said, we're uh, two and a half mile. Um, so for the racers this week, uh, we're going to look at Denny Hamlin, uh, who since coming back to the injury, uh, has with, with the exception of his past weekend in Dover has been running really well. Like he wants to make the chase. Um, he's got four wins in 14 races at Dover. Uh, he's running about 2650. Uh, Jeff Gordon, uh, he's got six wins at Dover. He's been running well this season. Uh, he's currently uh, 24-25. Uh, we're going to throw Uncle Mark's favorite racer, Clint Boyer, in. Uh, uh, whoops, screwed up my note. Screwed up my notes. He, he's doing really well on uh, uh, flat tracks uh, over his last eight, eight flat track races. Uh-huh. Uh, he's currently 24-50. Okay. Um, now we've... You know, this is where we start trying to put some filler in. So, uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., okay, uh, putting him in. He's got one ARCA win, actually, on this track. This will be his first time racing at Pocono uh, in the Sprint Cup Series. Mm-hmm. He is currently at 14.50. And then to fill out the roster, I'm going to put Landon Castle in. He's currently $6. Okay. All right. There you have it. Very, very good. Whoops, sorry. Takes everything to $98. I will no, spare. take some of those into account. My daughters will probably take all of them into account and take my butt again. Yep. All right. That's our NASCAR wrap for this week. As a head up, as a head up to, <laughs> to both your daughters, you may want to double think putting Truex Jr. on your roster this week. There just as go. a heads up. All right. No, no, no. You know, do, do what you want, but I'm saying just look at it and, you know, Maybe maybe look at him a little bit deeper than you look at some Close. of the other drivers. Gotcha. So. All right. Okay, Sidekick, we're about to commence uh, the final round of the NBA playoffs. So give us an update on uh, what we're looking at, and, uh, well, we'll talk a little bit about maybe what we can expect. Where are we at at this point? Well, uh, as we all know and kind of expected, uh, the Miami Heat, uh, did away with the Pacers, yep. and so we now have the San Antonio Spurs and the Miami Heat in the finals right. uh, with Game 1 tonight at 9 p.m. Uh, right. Game 2 will be Sunday at 8. Uh, both those games are in Miami, and then they will be going to San Antonio for Game 3 and 4, Tuesday and Thursday next week at 9 p.m. each. All righty. 
I'm going to put you on the hot seat. What do you got? Who are you taking? I'm taking the Heat in four. I think the Pacers were their what? toughest. I think they're. I think the Pacers were their toughest opposition so far, and I got a feeling they're going to walk over San Antonio. Holy smokes! Did you say four? Four swept. Oh my goodness! All right. Uh, wow. Um, okay. Um, listen, are you giving us some thought. Obvious. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, folks. I'm, I don't make any qualms about it. My heart is with San Antonio. I would love to see them knock them off. I think this Miami Heat team would be forced to make some changes for next season if, in fact, that happens. However, my head says Miami in six. Six. Four. Whoop. All right. Four, well, uh, maybe, maybe five. Maybe they give San Antonio one. Um, but no but more than five. I, huh? I think it's, I think it's going to be a quick series, and Miami's just wow. going to do away with them. All right. All right. There you have it. NBA chat. Well, listen, if it goes four, then we'll be talking about a championship on next week's show as we come here. So, well, well, we'll be talking, I guess, about an elimination game. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, well, yeah, we still haven't gotten into that conversation. We have to have that one of these times. All right, my friend, listen, we are, we're going to cut you a break this evening and cut you loose early. Yep. Well, I'm going to start packing because i got a bright and early flight in the morning. Uh, flying out business class. So, free drink vouchers. But before we let you go, uh, I wanted to put up uh, another in a series of our occasional five minutes outside the frat house images. And there's one of yourself at Bush Stadium the other evening, just five rows from the field. Uh, You were there, as we pointed out, for that long 14 inning game uh, where your Cardinals uh, unfortunately lost in the 14th. Okay, listen, my friend. I don't friend. know if you can see that, but that's the ticket right uh, there. there. I go. still have it. There you go. All right, well, listen, we wish you safe journeys back, and we will see you right here on Saturday at the Fred House for our summer kickoff barbecue and right here on the set next Thursday. Yes, next Thursday, back on set. All right. My, uh, our best to you and, uh, and Mrs. Sidekick's mom, all right? Yep. Okay, we're coming back here with, with our two-man set now. Uh, and sitting in for uh, Sidekick as our guest co-host and our technical director uh, from right here at the Fred House, uh, Brandon. And, hello, uh, hello. Brandon. I got a baseball! <laughs> I haven't even said anything yet. <laughs> Listen, thank you for coming on. You and- know, this isn't in my contract. I only do football. <laughs> We're not even talking football. But we'll That's give it coming. A That's coming. You, got about you have weeks. to ask me nicely. That's coming in about eight weeks. But, no, I thank you for uh, coming from behind the other side of the camera and joining me here and keeping me company uh, uh, this, this evening. Uh, what do you say we go take a look at a little Major League Baseball standings now? Uh, we're 10 weeks in. We're already, uh, amazingly, 10 weeks into the season. Uh, and over in the American League, uh, the Boston Red Sox are, are now uh, a game and a half ahead of the New York Yankees in the AL East. In the Central... The, the Detroit Tigers have now taken over uh, for the Cleveland Indians. There are two games in front of them. And in the West, the Texas Rangers, well, they continue to drop off just a bit this week as they're now only now a game and a half in front of the Oakland A's. In the National League, the Atlanta Braves, and holy smokes, they are now seven and a half games in front of, are you ready, a new second-place team, and that's the Philadelphia Phils. Dominic Brown. Can you imagine? Yeah, really. What it is. 
Um, the St. Louis Cardinals are still two and a half games in front of the Cincinnati Reds in the Central. And in the West, the Arizona Diamondbacks still two and a half games in front of the Colorado Rockies. What do you make of the Phils? I don't know. I mean, uh, it, 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 you know, I kind of stated it from the beginning of the season on. I think they are what they are. I think what we're seeing is about what they're going to be. I think they're going to be a 500 team. Is there any hope? Well, possibly. I mean, Dominic Brown obviously stepping up. They tweaked the lineup here and there where they need to. They they brought up um, a couple other young guys. Right. It depends on the pitching. I mean, Cliff Lee's awesome. Yeah. He, every start out, he's going seven, eight, eight, nine innings. If Cole Hamels can get himself worked right. out, and you know, I I don't know if anybody really expects Halliday to come back, but. You know, they said it possibly, you know, if they're in it for a September pennant run, you know, it might motivate him to come back. <coughs> you know, we get, you know, three of the four aces back. You yeah. never know. Anything could happen. KK has been something else yeah. as well. Kyle, Kyle Kendrick's been awesome. You know, I mean, it, Hamels is the biggest. Hamels has been the one I think that's really kind of pulled this whole thing down a bit. I mean, we didn't expect that. Of course, you know, there's been the complaint that the, the, the Phil's lineup haven't really provided any offensive power for him. It's true, but the last but couple the last of outings have not. He's, right. he's getting lit up. Yeah. Seven, eight runs. It does. The, the Phils aren't going to score that for anybody, right. let alone Hamels. Right, um, exactly. Cliff Lee's doing it on two, three runs. Now, there are some analysts that are saying right now this could be, actually, uh, this might not be a great thing if the Phils get to that mid-season point, say the All-Star break, and they looks like they have a chance of getting into the playoffs. Because there are some that are saying, hey, you can unload a couple of these guys potentially at the trade deadline and maybe start really starting to get something to pull back in for the team. That's true. It's, it's two ways of you looking know, at it. I, us being in the Philadelphia area, we all realize changes are coming. Right. Charlie's on the end of his contract. You know, Ryan Sandberg's waiting. Right. I, I think promises were probably made to keep him in the organization. And, you know, Ruben Amaro's probably looking towards the future, kind of almost hoping the team wouldn't come back like this. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, he was maybe looking for an opportunity to trade, you know, Rollins, Utley, you know, a couple of the veterans that they might be able to get decent prospects for. Right. Um, you know, Utley needs to be healthy or else nobody's going to give us anything for him anyway. Exactly. So Jimmy Rollins is probably a decent for the right team, you know. It's possible. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll the see one what I don't want to see is, is Chooch. I mean, Carlos Ruiz would probably be very attractive well, the to a thinking, team making a run. The thinking is Chooch would be expendable. The two big ones I've heard, though, that could get us the most would be Papelbon and Cliff Lee, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't think that either one of those would even be on the radar because of their salaries. But All right, well, there you have the uh, – that's, that's our – that's, our, 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 that's the way the leaderboard looks right now. We'll be bringing you up to date with that next week. It's time again for Frat House Mike's Screwball Story. Yes, indeed it is. And we're going to take a look at some that, uh, well, some of these are screwy. Some of these are kind of feel good. And some of them are, well, I don't know. I'll kind of let you make the call on that. Um. For many, many seasons back in the 80s, and you'll remember this one well, uh, uh, Brandon, we had to deal with the train wrecks uh, that were the combination of the New York Mets, Dwight, Doc Gooden, and Daryl Strubber. It always seemed like those two were kind of connected at the hip. Yeah, they shared a little uh, white powder (laughs) to the nose. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, as it turns out, we might have, and I mean, I'm not, look, I'm not making any excuses for him, but we might have a little insight into why Doc Gooden was the way he kind of was, as he has released a recent book 
titled Doc, a Memoir. During a recent New York Times interview with Andrew Goldman, one section uh, has the following Q&A quoted. Uh, the question that was posed to uh, Doc, you had a messy uh, childhood. You write that your father took you on visits to his mistress and your mother tried to shoot them both with a 38. Well, he responded, uh, she did get him in the shoulder and unloaded the whole gun. I guess uh, uh, trying to get the woman. My mom was a lovely woman, but a tough cookie. And apparently bad aim. It's like I took the wrong week to quit drinking. <laughs> that, many, that many bullets fired and only hit him in the shoulder once? That's not real good target practice, luckily. I'm not sure, though. Thinking about this one, I'm not sure if I would refer to a gun-toting mom. Uh, as a lovely lady, you know, I I, I don't know. It, the whole kind of, story just sounds really... It kind of makes me wonder whether Doc really does have it all together yet. It might explain a lot, though. Yeah, it does. Uh, the other day was a special day for longtime New York Yankees fan, uh, Bernardo, or Bernando Lapallo. And it was kind of a special day in many respects uh, for baseball as well. Uh, in this, uh, as I pointed out, feel-good story of the week. Uh, Palo is a long-time uh, Yankees fan. All right? Long time. Uh, and he was invited down to the field and had a chance to meet, greet, and chat with Derek Jeter. Uh, 93 years after he had met Babe Ruth. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the Harlem resident, uh, Palo is, it, 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 well, it's reported to be that he's 111 years old. Now, there apparently is some reason to dispute whether uh, LaPallo is 111 or 101, but to me, it's kind of irrelevant. I mean, the guy's over 100, and... Uh, We're sitting on top of the story of the century. Yeah, well, to be perfectly honest, the guy looks incredibly great. I mean, I couldn't get over how good this Whether guy he's was. 100 or 111, either way, he looks like not a day over 80. I, I'm going to tell you... Um, no, there's no way. I don't even really get the whole disputing the age thing. It's somebody from the Guinness Book of World Records who's an age dating expert. Who cares? They're not looking for any records. They're just, you know. The guy met Babe Ruth and Derek Jeter in the same lifetime. What's the difference? He even looks coherent in that picture. He sure does. No walker, no wheelchair, no cane, no nothing. He's moving around. He's looking good. In fact, he's got another book. He's got his second book coming out. His first book he wrote went in 2007, believe it or not. Wow. He's got a second book coming out this, this fall. <clears throat> we have talked numerous times right here on um, this show uh, about the proposed $500 million facelift planned for Chicago's Wrigley Field. Uh, we've even shown you artist renderings uh, on the new looks, on what it's going to look like on the outside and even along inside in, in, in the concourse. Uh, however, one area that will not be touched, apparently, will be the men's rooms, uh, which uh, sport, I don't know, should I say that word? The men's rooms, apparently, at Wrigley Field sport what are referred to as urinal troughs. Ballpark management have apparently been quoted on the subject saying, for the uh, last several years, we have basically undertaken a number of focus groups and surveys among fans as we've looked to put together our plan to restore and improve the stadium. What we found is that our male fans have no problem with the communal nature of the troughs. It's part of enjoying the game. 
<laughs> I don't get that one. Uh, uh, the last time I really wanted to go to a ball game, it was not to go visit the men's room. Last I'm not time, quite sure. Last time I remember seeing these at a Thank sporting you. event was like a local dirt racetrack. Uh, that is well behind the times. I don't quite get it. The last time I remember seeing one of these was about 30 years ago. I hate to admit this, in an old, very, very old, dingy, dingy bar. Oh. Yes. We become yeah, a should, nation of horses. They should, they well, should definitely. Sorry about that, but uh, I, I, upgrade them. It's 2013, folks. Uh, you may have noticed occasionally that minor league affiliate teams change affiliations uh, every once in a while, and that's because contracts with these teams do have a lifespan and frequently have to be renewed with the big league team that they are the affiliate of. Now, according to a recent article in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Mets, triple A team, all right, and uh, they can't even sell away their triple A team to another team. They can't even sell it. Forget dropping the contract or anything like that. They can't give the darn thing away. Um, now, you got to remember, triple A, that's the last stop that you make before you go to the bigs. Well, for the Mets, the last stop before the bigs is 2,200 miles away at Cashman Field in Las Vegas with the Las Vegas 51s. According to the article, uh, and these are some quotes I'm throwing out here, basically I can define it, define it as the worst pitching place imaginable, reliever Greg Burke said. It's ridiculous how dry the balls are, top pitching prospect Zach Wheeler said. It's hard to get a good grip on it. They got no running water out there, manager Wally Backman said. Uh, the arid conditions, uh, which in no way prepare pitchers for those that they will face in New York or in most other major league cities, that, that's what they've got. They've got these, you know, the temperatures out there sort of 98 to 100 degrees. No dome on the thing, as you can see. Uh, this also makes Mets executives uh, and, and minor league coaches and players alike wonder how much of the results they're seeing are real and how much are really just a desert mirage. Somehow or another, though, i got to be honest, the conditions haven't stopped the Mets from producing some pretty good prospects. I mean, can you say Matt Harvey? Yeah. Didn't I seem mean, to affect him. Look like a bad Doesn't look stadium. like a horrible spot. I don't. I mean, I've been to minor league stadiums. I don't stadiums. know if I'd want to sit out under the sun in yeah. Las Vegas. Yeah, in the middle of summer, it's, they probably have the 110, 115 degree I days. I would think. I would. I think. bet they play a lot of night games. No, I'm sure they have lights. Yes, they're the lights. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Listen now, before we leave baseball, uh, we're going to jump over to one more thing, and we were talking a little bit about this with Sidekick, and that's our. Frat House Sports Facebook post of the week. We haven't seen one in a couple of weeks. But lo and behold, Sidekick was able to get a picture of a guy at St. Louis Cardinals uh, Bush Stadium um, where he says, I'm guessing he's not an Albert Pujols fan. The guy's got Pujols' his name blacked out in duct tape. <laughs> that post, folks, got hundreds and hundreds of views over on our Frat House Sports Facebook page. Thank you very much. Keep it up. Keep the post coming. That's a great one. That is very funny. Well, he didn't want to waste all the money spent on the jersey, but Why he didn't not? want the name. Why not? Exactly. Who would? I guess he's waiting for the next number five to be assigned. In the Who knows? Maybe Bulls will come back. He's had his best years there. Hasn't had too many good ones out. I don't at, think uh, St. Louis is touching that contract. All right. <laughs> all right.
Friday. Let's go take a look at NHL. And thank God I actually have somebody here for the first time this season that might actually want to chat about the NHL. Uh, with me? Oh, come on, we know sidekicks <laughs> just playing a little joke here with the whole lockout thing. Yes, I know though that you've had your eye on the playoffs as well as I have. Uh, and here we are, we are right now in the conference finals uh, for the NHL playoffs. And in the West, the number one Chicago Blackhawks are currently paired up against the number five Los Angeles Kings. And so far, the home teams have all won. So currently, the series right now is 2-1. In favor of the Blackhawks, Game 4 is scheduled for this evening uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on NBC Sportsnet. But, Brandon, the big, big surprise has got to be coming from the East, where the number four Boston Bruins took the first two games uh, in Pittsburgh against the number one-seeded Penguins, and then won Game 3 last evening in Boston in double overtime, and now the Bruins are up 3 nothing with Game 4 scheduled in Boston again, 8 p.m. tomorrow evening, Friday, on NBC Sportsnet as well, uh, with the possibility that the Bruins could sweep that series. I think that looks, What do you think? I think that's the way that one's going. They, do you think it's going to be a Boston sweep? Has the, they have the momentum. Right. Um, you know, I, I don't see how... I mean, Pittsburgh, they have a long way to go if they want to come back. Right. They may pick up one, you don't know, but I think Boston's going to take this one. The other series is the, the better one. It's probably, I think it's going to go to seven. Yeah, I do too. Both teams play well at home. The Kings don't play well on the road. Chicago will probably win it in seven. Right. If the Kings can the find Kings a way to steal well one, The Kings haven't played well on the road this year either. That's been the surprising thing. Well, that's though. the opposite of last year. Last exactly. year they were, they, they made, I forget, we were, we were talking about it on set with the last year. Correct. They were winning, they had an incredible road right. record right. last year. So. Right, right. They could snatch one. But this one's got to be a surprise, this Eastern Conference one, huh? Well, I mean, would you, have, would you have expected that? No. No, I think everybody expected Pittsburgh to meet Chicago when we got down to the two final teams. You had the right. number one seeds left. But, you know, Boston's just been, you know, they've been keeping the puck away from Pittsburgh and frustrating them. <coughs> and Does Boston have a little bit of pressure put on them tomorrow night? Because, in fact, they're at home. It, you don't want this necessarily going back to a game five because if Pittsburgh wins this, and then it goes back to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh can be playing again with their back to the wall. They pick up and make it three to two. Suddenly yeah. the pressure does become. Does there actually become more of an impetus on Pittsburgh tomorrow night or on Boston? Well, obviously Pittsburgh, they lose, they're done. So right. they they their backs are against the wall. But you know, like you said, Boston may just want to try to carry it, and Pittsburgh may have gotten defeated a little with that you know double overtime loss. I think we watched most of the regular time together mm-hmm. and unfortunately I couldn't hang for the whole game but you told me that you noticed that you know Pittsburgh should have won right that they outplayed them and they just didn't in get the, the overtimes last night I thought they did I really thought uh, this is just my personal opinion I thought it, I thought Pittsburgh it may be a morale breaker and you know Boston may just carry it and get it over with we saw a couple of years ago with the Flyers that the Flyers were down on this Boston team three games to one and actually came back to win a series against them four games to three. So it's not impossible we've seen it happen before. No, it's a good story, too, if Boston would go because, you know, the whole marathon thing. And Yeah, it would be. You're right. It's a nice little feel-good story if it goes that way, but, you know. So my friends up there in sports blogger land, I am backing the Boston Bruins. Make no mistake on that one. And rooting for them tomorrow night, too. It has nothing to do with Finish. the fact that Pratt House Mike doesn't like Sidney Crosby or the Penguins a little bit. <laughs> In Philadelphia, you cannot be a Philadelphia <laughs> card-carrying Philadelphia fan unless it says, I hate Sidney Crosby on there. 
That's our show for this weekend. Uh, listen, we appreciate you tuning in with us. A couple things we just want to throw out to you and remind you as we go and leave our 92nd week in a row. Amazing, amazing thing. Uh, but one of them is you got to be following Fan Junkies Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Jonathan Regis and myself, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 12 noon Eastern time. And while you're doing that, please make sure that you get over and check out FanJunkies.net, where sports meets social networking. All right? It's completely free. Get over there. Join it up for Jonathan. All right? FanJunkies.net. Also, uh, kudos to our friends down there at CLW83. Carl and Jim Williams do a great job. They rebroadcast all of our Fan Junkies radio programs, all of them. Sports Blogger and, and Fan Junkies Radio, and, of course, Frat House Saturday, where we rebroadcast our show right there on Fan Junkies Radio Network. So thank you, guys. We appreciate it, and hats off to both of you. Keep up the good work. And last but not least, don't forget our own website, frathousesports.net. All right? Frathousesports.net. We're going to get you back in on the roundtable, and that'll be NFL Talk. Yeah, there and we go. And that's coming up, I think, in about eight weeks, thereabouts. We'll be, we'll be hitting that. We're in around the 100th show, I believe. Getting ready for training camps to start. Yep. It's going to be good. We've seen Football. a lot of OTAs already, and uh, you know, comments were being made by the media. They've never seen a year before where OTAs all across the league have been covered the way that they've been covered this year. It's nuts. Sidekick can have a seat back next week. You're, you're happy to relinquish that, are you? Sure am. Uh, hey, <laughs> nice job. Didn't you do a great job? All right, there you go. All right, right there. All right. All right, in the meantime, have yourself a great weekend, a great summertime weekend. But one more thing you got to do for me. you got to keep us free, you got to keep us live, and you got to keep us going. We'll see you next week. Thanks very much. Even into three, Jeff Gordon looking on, and Stewart, the lead up high. Montoya comes battling back on the bottom. Two laps to go. That's two of the best open-wheel drivers. And they're going at it here at the Magic Mile. Don't forget Jeff Gordon cut his teeth in open-wheel race cars, and Whoa. he is right up to the back bumper of Montoya. Yeah, Montoya really got loose off, too, that time. Yeah, he got a great run, and he's going to pull to the bottom. They'll be coming to the white flag this time. One lap to go in a thriller at Dover, Delaware. Montoya, did, uh, he drove that thing up all four, even though it was sideways. And don't look now, that 18 car slipping in the picture. Might get around Jeff Gordon if he's not careful. Tony Stewart will come up on Timmy Hill in the back straightaway, looking for his 48th career win. Hill stays high, and the driver who started the weekend saying, this is our worst track, is going to victory lane in Dover. Tony Stewart wins the FedEx 400, benefiting autism speed. <laughs> Smoke up today. <laughs> there you go, guys. Bring it back to everybody on your three feet. Take the guys back in the shop, too. Second win here for Steve Addington, the crew chief. And I'm happy for Steve Addington. They have been ready to tar and feather him. And Greg Pippinelli said this week, we have not been giving this team the tools they need to even get a top five, much less win a race. What a day. That's a great day. Look, that's all of Stuart Haas. There you have it. That's uh, this week's uh, five minutes at the Pratt House number 92. Get you up to date real quick on what's happening around Major League Baseball. Three games that I had mentioned for you at the top of the show right now. In the top of the third, the L.A. Angels are ahead of the Boston Red Sox uh, 1-0. Bottom of the third, you've got the uh, New York Mets are leading the Miami Marlins uh, 1-0 as well. And in the bottom of the third, the Rangers 
Texas Rangers and the Toronto Blue Jays are scoreless. And those are our up-to-date scores in Major League Baseball. Game's coming up, too, as well uh, in the 4 o'clock hour. Um, so baseball all day long, as uh, you can imagine, on a Saturday afternoon in June. You just got done hearing uh, this week's five minutes at the frat house, number 92. And as I pointed out, uh, it's one that you really should take some time to go take a look at. Very, very well-produced program. Um, and, yes, you do get to hear a lot of the audio, but a lot of times you miss, uh, you know, the visuals and some of the really neat kind of innovative things that we did in uh, particularly in post-production on this particular show. So my suggestion, YouTube, type in five minutes at the Frat House. You'll find all of our productions there. Our channel name is Frat House Sports or head over to our own website, which is frathousesports.net. The other thing I would encourage you to do as well, please, go out to uh, and like our Facebook page. All you have to do is just go to Facebook and search Frat House Sports. Make sure you're leaving spaces between the words because there is a, a faux Frat House Sports <laughs> Facebook page out there that hasn't been updated in well over a year. So, uh uh, we are the frat house sports with the spaces between, all right? Make sure you get out there and give that a like as well. You, you get all kinds of things when you do that. You're getting updates that we put up all the time. In fact, I just put up a bunch of updates while that show is playing over on our frat house sports Facebook page. So uh, you get those. You get all of our videos. You get notified about uh, Fan Junkies Radio and all kinds of other stuff. So that is the quickest and easiest way to stay in touch with us is through our Facebook page. All righty. Um, FanJunkies.net. I encourage you as well to get over there and uh, sign up for that. It's completely free, folks. Um, where sports meets social networking. All right, get over there and sign up for that. And what you're going to find is you're going to find a Facebook type uh, platform, social media, uh, social networking uh, for nothing but sports fans from all across the country. Uh, every sport, every team you can possibly imagine, and uh, you can connect and, uh, you know, you're not going to get all the dumb stuff that you get over on Facebook. You're just going to get real, honest-to-God sports from sports junkies like us, fanjunkies.net. And, of course, out of that came our Fan Junkies Radio Network. First thing you want to make sure that you're doing, checking in with us either live or archived, Fan Junkies Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Jonathan Regis and myself right here, 12 noon Eastern time. We've got some terrific, terrific guests lined up and ready to rock and roll with you right through the summertime, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 12 noon. You can catch it live right here on Blog Talk Radio, or you can catch it archives after the fact. So either way, tune in, all right, 12 noon Eastern time. Also on our network here, Sports Blogger Radio. Boy, those guys did a terrific job last night. Unfortunately, their show got bounced from Thursday to Friday because of a programming uh faux pas that, that, that unfortunately occurred, which knocked Jonathan and I off the air for our regular Friday show at 12 noon, but allowed the guys from up there in Beantown to get their program in last night at 8, 8 p.m. And boy, what a, or it was actually, it was on last night at 7 p.m. Uh, terrific, terrific program they had last night. I listened to the whole thing, actually even gave them a holler uh, in on the program. And think about that one. They were coming one hour before uh, the Boston Bruins won that series last night against Pittsburgh, and they had some terrific, terrific insight on 
the Boston Bruins. Sports blogger radio for all your Boston sports. The Red Sox, the Bruins, Celtics, New England Patriots. These guys know their stuff. you got to be giving them a listen. They are usually on their regular time slot is Thursday evenings at 8 p.m. So make sure you're giving them a listen. Many, many thanks as well as uh, you may have heard right there. I always give a shout-out at the end of five minutes at the Frat House to our buddies Jim Williams and Carl over at CLW83.com. They have some terrific programs themselves, some terrific podcasts that they put together, original stuff you won't hear anywhere else. But in addition to that, they rebroadcast all of our Fan Junkies radio network programs, all of them, Monday, Wednesday, Friday with Jonathan and I, Sports Blogger Radio, and, of course, our Frat House Saturday, which is this show right here. And I'll be coming back to you again next Saturday for another Frat House Saturday right here on Fan Junkies Radio, so make sure you're tuning in to that 1 p.m. on Saturdays. All right? All right. Well, I got a little bit of a barbecue I got to go take care of, and uh, we've got guests pouring into the frat house as I speak. So let me go get to that. One more thing I'm going to ask you to do. You know what it is. I'm going to ask you, please, keep us real, keep us live, and keep us going. And I will be catching you again next week. Maybe you're a 49ers fan in Jacksonville or a Jets fan in Houston, and you're looking to connect with fellow fans from hundreds or thousands of miles away. Look no further than FanJunkies.net. FanJunkies.net is a social networking site dedicated to fans of every team and every league. Connect with baseball, football, basketball, and hockey fans from throughout the country and throughout the world. Get the latest news, take polls, and interact in live chats on game day. And best of all, it's absolutely free to join. Sign up today at FanJunkies.net. FanJunkies.net, where sports meets social networking.